Hi, this is Donna Otto, and welcome to Modern Homemakers. This is one of my favorite shows, and I get a lot of remarks from all of you, so keep, keep sending them in if you want me to do this. But I call it an eclectic, and I'm pretty eclectic if you know me at all by this time you do. I like, a, I like to have a broad sense. I think part of it is I do see events with an eye that um, is useful. So I want to start this time together by talking about the Las Vegas crime. Uh, it's very hard for me to even say the word massacre when it has to do with our own country. And of course, that is what most of the networks um, described it. Death incurred suffering. And, and in a couple of days, I'm going to talk to you about suffering, necessary suffering, um, his place in suffering. But it was early in the morning on Monday when I heard the breaking news. Candidly speaking, I hear breaking news often, and, it, and they're telling me the temperature just went up. And I think that is hardly breaking news. And I think that's true. My father used to call that when you cry wolf, you call wolf, wolf too many times, then nobody listens to you. So while I heard breaking news, I wasn't really sure it was breaking news. And then the details, literally at that hour of the day, it had happened five or six hours earlier, and everybody was scrambling to find out whatever. And so little was known. And I'm sure you, like me and millions of Americans, we watched and we listened. We felt the tension, a kind of tension that happens when I listen to various networks and the philosophies of which they impose their journalistic opportunities. And I am very broad-minded. Um, my husband does not agree with how I watch the news or political situations or the elections because I flip from the most right side to the most left side and everything in between, and I listen to scrimmages of everything because I think... I know I can't know everything. And candidly speaking, I don't want to know everything. I think the way our country is established is that there are people who do know more and people who do know more and people who know the deepest part. And they're the ones, if they told all of us, we'd have that many more opinions and that many more ideas about it. But I do want to know, generally speaking, to the, get the best of the facts. So I watch and I listen. And I was thinking about it as it was going on, how I watched and listened to the last visit from the Pope. And I did the same thing going from channel to channel. And the slant on even the Pope's visit is always surprising to me. But when the day was over, I noticed something. Actually, when the second day was over, I noticed something. So the first day... There was a lot of what was going on. They were trying to find out. Um, the gunman's brother, I, I think that was the most shocking, um, interesting, revealing piece to me because he kept saying, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. He, he, it was just a guy like he's the most vanilla guy you have ever known. He, he's just a guy. And then he went to high school and he went to college and then he got a job. And then he, he's just a guy. He couldn't, he, he, this was like, oh, what, did, what, did he have anything? He's just a guy. So I noticed when the next day, midday, I began to notice something. And I noticed there was less to report. This guy was so vanilla. 
He had no political ties, no religious ties, no connections to any groups, and everybody was looking for that because that is more sensational and more breaking news. And then I watched something that from my eyes, it seems always missing in our uh, reporting. And that was, there were stories of humans. And in this case, the big story was how all of these people were helping each other. The big story, oh yes, the deaths and the number of deaths, and because of the way it happened and how quick we are on the scene, we weren't sure of the total number of deaths and certainly no names were given out. So they had to find another angle to talk about this, and they did. And they found the immediate angle of how many people were helping each other. How many pick-em-up trucks, as we call pickup trucks around our house, pick-em-up trucks were just converted to ambulances. The man who, who found a door or some piece of wood and he made a ramp to get people over the fence because people couldn't climb over the fence. And on the other side of the fence, there are two guys who were t- catching people. Literally, they were running up the ramp, being pushed because they wouldn't, they were too scared to even jump, falling into the arms. And then there was a guy who was telling this story about he saw a truck, like a trailer truck. There was a light on it and the door was open and he knew that people were safe in there and then he started pushing people into it. He was running and catching and pushing people into it only to find out that it was a refrigerated truck. And then what he described happened was that there were people who had gotten into the refrigerator truck who were now freezing, like literally so cold, and they were crying out because they were so cold, and people were laying on top of the people who were cold to keep them warm. And I thought to myself, oh, this is the part of a vanilla story. How can you say there's anything vanilla about a man who did what he did to humankind, who planned and plotted so carefully? And here we are a week later, there are all sorts of other revelations, none of them which I'm planning to talk about today. Because what I saw was something we talked about a few weeks ago, and Joseph's life, and Joseph's brother meant it for harm to Joseph. And this gunman meant it for harm. He meant it for harm, and he did harm. And he damaged the lives, irreparable damage to the lives of who knows how many because 59 people died times whom, how many people they were loved by, times the grief and sorrow for a lifetime, irreparable damage. He meant it for harm, but the American people did what they could to make it for good. And the networks had to report it. There was little else to report, and it was breaking news. And I saw a slant that... I wanted to draw your attention to today. It was very special in a horrible way. The second thing I want to talk to you about today, I'm going to jump from thing to thing as I always do in these eclectic shows, is a book called The Beautiful Word. The Beautiful Word. It is a book. It's a hardbound book. And it is the book. It's a Bible. And a friend of mine got me onto it. And she got me onto it only because she said it had changed something for her. And I said, well, what was it that changed for you? And she said, I'm, I'm now meditating on memorizing a passage of scripture. And she's in her early 40s. She has a bunch of kids. And she said, you know, 
memorizing scripture is really hard for me. It's always been hard for me. How many of you out there, raise your hands. Memorizing scripture is really hard for you. It is, it's for all of us. And the older you get, the more difficult it is. And this book is put out by Zondervan. And the uh, version is the NIV. And it's called the New Beautiful Word Coloring Bible. And so I got one. And I want you to know that I found it just as she described. Because you go to a passage and then you start coloring in, like 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And while you're coloring, you're coloring those letters, those words. I wish I had a camera. I wish we were um, FaceTime right now so you could see it. Uh, so I meditated on that. And then I did one because my granddaughter, I pray for her um, Psalm 1. And the way the design was, I made her initials upside down, sort of. But I was praying for her and I was meditating on this first verse. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the ways of the sinner. Um, take or sit in the company of mockers. That's the NIV version. And I could meditate on those who are blessed who make that. And then I did one that I really didn't have any idea why I was doing it. And then right after that, something happened that could have caused anxiety. And it's a whole page so the pages are probably seven inches by five inches or six inches. And you can color in anything you want. You can use pencils or magic markers. You can get a theory. There's a whole coloring theory about certain words and certain themes of the Bible. And if you're interested in that, we'll put it up on the website. Anybody who writes me an email about that, I'll make the time to get it up on the website. But you could color then for themes of the Bible, salvation, the cross, one color. And so this was Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I did thanksgiving in gold. And as I was coloring each letter of the word thanksgiving, I was thinking about what a golden opportunity anxious thoughts give us to say thanks to God because he is in it all. He is in it all. So consider it. It might make a great gift. It's not inexpensive. I think it's about $30. And um, you can get it, oh, and go get it on Amazon Smile. And if you haven't made Modern Homemakers your charity do, it's a simple fill out the form and put our name, Modern Homemakers, and then a percentage of everything you buy on Amazon comes directly to Modern Homemakers. They've given over $16 million away already to charities. So, so consider that as a part of... Good, good. I hadn't thought about adding that. The third thing I want to talk to you about is something my grandson and I were talking about, and that was robots. Robots, robots are in. And um, my grandson said, well, how do you feel about AIs? And I said, hmm, not sure I know how I feel about AIs because I'm not sure I know what an AI is. And he looks at me with his 13-year-old brain, and um, he loves getting one up on me. I've told him since he was a little guy that in the world he, he was growing up in, he would far surpass the facts that I knew about life. Oh, oh, by the time he was 
I said 15, now he's only 13. Boy, there's so many things. He just spews out all these facts that he knows. And I think, okay, well, I guess I can't teach him that. So AIs are artificial intelligence. The word robot is really passe. Artificial intelligence is in. And um, he's 13. He's not driving yet. But he thinks robotic cars are the bomb. Um, You know, I had a knee replacement this summer. And a robot helped my knee surgery. The robot actually did the incision, which makes it perfect. And then did the taking all the imaging in and placing the new cobalt knee in the right place. Well, millennials are a little concerned about this because they're concerned about the future of their jobs. And the Gallup poll recently said that 30%, 37% of all millennial jobs are at risk. Entry-level jobs, retail work, perhaps accounting and financial services. And as Samuel and I were talking about this, I said to him, so Samuel, what do you feel about that? And the word that came out of his mouth was, was it the right word? He said, well, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid. And um, it, it's the natural inclination is to think my job may be displaced and I may be out of work and I should be afraid of robots or AIs. And I want to say to you, I think it's a great and golden opportunity for you to say to the Lord, um, I will not be afraid. He tells us over and over again, be not afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. I am with you. Do not be afraid, but then do what you can do to look to the future. Uh, One of the things that the Gallup poll was very clear about, and that is that robots can't manage, can't boss, can't create, can't give wisdom. Uh, You know, those are just four simple things that a robot can never take the place of. So think about your own work and your own life and how you do what you do. And finally, for today in this eclectic show, I want to talk to you about the math. And I love this. I think you should do the math. You should do the math. And it was so interesting to me because I read this number and then somebody had done the math. Actually, the company that had done the math is Bread for the World organization. And it brought me back to sometime around 25 years ago, there was some math flying around in the church, in the organized church. And the math was that if every single church, every denomination, every congregation, no matter how big or how small, took on one welfare recipient. And you know, as I say that, I'm not sure we call them welfare recipients anymore. I'm not even sure that department's called the welfare department. But we still support this kind of work through our government. But if every church, every denomination in America took on one welfare, we would close the department, just one. So now our president is talking about cutting funds to take care of the poor by $19.3 billion. Did you get that with a B, not an M? And so someone did the math. Someone did the math. And I, and I love this kind of math because it somehow or another, what is it my aunt used to say, jerks a knot in my neck. Or is it my tail? I'm not sure where it jerks a knot. But it does. That's what it does. It sort of takes me aback and I go, and what am I doing? So that's my question to you. 
what are you doing? And maybe what are you going to do? So Bread for the World organization did the math. 1.114.9 billion dollars come in every year in American churches. Did you get that? 114 billion dollars. Now, the president wants to cut 19.3 billion and churches take in 114.9 billion. And then they invest of that 114.9 billion, 11.4 billion in community outreach. Okay? So, if the church is going to make up the difference, if the church is going to make up a difference, they would have to donate every church $714,000 for 10 years. Or, this is where you come in, or I come in, or less than $2,000 every parishioner. Every parishioner. And when you think about, could you earn less than $2,000 extra in some way? When my husband was the chairman of the elder board of the church that we went to, and it was a big church, gotten even bigger here in the Phoenix metro area, he came up with this idea, or he heard this idea, but it was during his time as the chairman that he implemented it. And what they decided to do was give everyone who wanted to, everyone who was willing to raise their hand and say, I will take $10, the church passed out $10 bills, I will take $10 and I will find a way to invest the $10 and bring back not only the $10, but the amount I made on the $10. It was wild. It was a wild and exciting time. I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Someone built birdhouses out of a fence they had just taken down and they took the birdhouses to like a local fair flea market and sold the birdhouses and brought back $126 to the church plus the $10. There were reports all around of women who were baking things at home and children who were doing lemonade stands and all that money went back to the church to help the poor. And the Bible tells us we will have the poor with us always. So this mathematical thing that the Bread of World organization did, um, it is, they did the math. They told us what we could do. And so I'm asking you, should the government do it all? Should we do it all? Should we do more? Should you do more? Should I do more? <laughs> my answer to that was yes, I should do more. And my husband and I are very committed to an entity, and there are many of them in our city, but I'm sorry this is the one we're choosing and I'm choosing to tell you about and if you live in the Phoenix area. Um, it's called the Hope Women's Center. The Hope Women's Center. And they help women. Women, especially moms with children, and they help them in amazing ways in outlying areas. And they are just one of many you can support who actually physically get your dollars into the hands and the help and training women in our city. And there's also in the state of Arizona a tax credit up to $400 every year you can give as a tax credit from your taxes that you pay anyway to an agency. And um, this year we're giving our $400 to the Hope Women's Center. So join us. Join us by taking into consideration could you do more? Are you doing something? Do you want to do something? Is God calling you to do something? How small or big is it? 
Is it $114 billion? Maybe you can just write a check and cover the whole thing. Whatever it is, I pray that the Lord will help you be considerate of how you might give a little extra out of who you are and what you have. We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto, and I love being with you in this manner. I pray that you will go out and do something different today that you will look at your news differently, that you will meditate on scripture by coloring differently, or that you might consider helping the poor in your community. Remember, the common, vegan, and the uncommon finish. Go on making an uncommon day of a new choice. <laughs>